ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Joe. Jeremy Branham is out in the snow. A little rhyme for Joel Blank. Hey! He's in Ames, Iowa. Jeremy Branham living the good life in Ames, Iowa, getting ready for an Iowa State and Cougs basketball game. You know what that means since Jeremy Branham's not here? We get to do a lot of fun stuff, including one we normally do on Tuesdays after a Texans win. Don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Bobby Slowick watch. It's on. He's been requested. Mike Vrabel got fired today. Uh, Jim Harbaugh maybe coached his last game in the national championship game last night. Michigan got the dub. Maybe you say snoozer. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great game. It doesn't it doesn't fall on the ESPN Classic Channel? Nope, uh, at all uh, in any way, shape, or form. So we got all that stuff. We'll do cash or trash at four thirty. Uh, car wreck of the day at the end of the show as usual. Brian McDonald behind the glass. So uh, we'll start with you can't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat. You know, obviously I was not here with you guys yesterday. And for me, like the Texans winning the division is incredible. The fact that they've gone from the second-worst team in the NFL to winning the division is an absolutely remarkable turnaround, even more so than, like, I know, you know, people talk about going from fourth to first happens, you know, all the time in the NFL. The Browns did it this year. Like, even the Browns situation is so much different than the Texans because they have defense. Like, they had a lot of pieces, and they knew they had a franchise quarterback, or they thought they did. Um, They have Joe Flacco. But the Texans game, there was still a lot of stuff that happened that I, I think is, if the Texans are going to win on Sunday, cannot happen again. Because they they had, they had showed some fatal flaws, Joel. So where do you want to start? You got first one, you want me to kick it you off? Go ahead, kick it off, because you seem like you got penalties. Uh, you got penalties, stuff penalties, penalties. Point. There are so many penalties. Laramie Tunsil, you make way too much money, Ooh, and you boy. think you are way too good to be jumping off sides as much as you do. Multiples, right? Yeah, multiples. And then they're, they're in big spots. Like... It's the number one thing. If the Houston Texans are going to beat the Cleveland Browns this weekend, they got to slow down on the penalties. The, the, I do feel like this, the Texans played a much less disciplined version of football in the second half of 2024. Or I think they got away with some stuff, right? I, I think that in normal cases and situations, when you're playing a team that is as good as Indy's been all year, it's it's tough to set a scenario where you have the amount of stupid mistakes and penalties that you made, like you said, and when you made them, and you survive. But the fact is, is that no matter how many penalties they had, because of your quarterback primarily, you never felt like that game was out of control, and you felt like even when it got close in the second half, you felt like you're still in a position to win this thing like it's yours to lose. 100%. Uh, uh-huh. That's how I felt the whole game. It was just... It's just frustrating. Yeah. Like, it's just, you're watching this team play, and it's like you have something positive happen, and it's false start. Or, like, you have a big play coming up, and, and Laramie jumps. And it's just like, dude, like, I thought we went away from this. Like, it was bad when he, his first year here with right, Deshaun. Right, right, right. And it, feel like, it felt like it got a little bit better. But, and you then, know, Joe, the other thing is, too, is that you would expect, like, with the revolving door and the musical chairs with all the, like, free agents and older guys and younger guys, those are the guys that are going to make the mistakes in these big games because they really haven't been there mm-hmm. in a while or if ever, like Juice Scruggs. 
But instead, you've got the guy that constantly gets mentioned as one of the top left tackles in football doing it multiple times, and then you're watching his body language when he coughs off, walks off the field, kind of like going, please care. Please slam your helmet. Please look like it pisses you off that you screwed up. Yeah, that, so that's, that's the first one for me. It was just like it is – you cannot ignore that the Texans have a penalty problem the second half of the season more than they did the first half. Like it just it – like, it was too often – undisciplined football in those moments. But like you said, like the quarterback, he salvages so much of it. He does. Like, uh, another one of mine, and a part of this goes with penalties, right? But like you have the Singletary drive at the end of the game. On that possession, you had a first and 20 and a second and 20. Mm-hmm. Your, your quarterback, like on, on two long and distance drives and, 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 and setups, he overcame all those obstacles. The throw to Nico, which looked like he was throwing it okay. away. Did he was throw it away? literally on a different planet. What no, do you think? Because if he throws it away, you have plenty of sideline to where there is a receiver in the vicinity. You just can you can just haul ass it over to the to the coach's box. The fact that you could see that he was kind of measuring like an area where yeah, it's probably going to hit the ground, but if it doesn't, I can put it in a place where only my guy can get it. I literally hundred percent honestly believe. He threw that knowing Nico had a shot at it. I think so too. Like I, I, it wasn't. It was. It was a prayer. It was like it's. It's a hope and a prayer. But it was the, the a prayer in which he thought he was going to be able to like complete the pass. Yeah, a, a remarkable play. Um, but like having those two possessions where you know it's it's a second and twenty, they convert it, and then like right after they convert it, they get another penalty, which becomes first and twenty, and it's just like too like. The Texans need to win a football game here. Yeah, they and, found and, a way to survive so much because, like, when they could have gone up with the field goal and it hits the side, the, the sidebar, the upright. You're like, okay, you dodged one there. But when you think about it in retrospect, after the game, they dodged way more than a missed field goal. They dodged yeah. multiple penalties, multiple opportunities to really have things completely get blown up in their face. And yet, the reason why and the driving force behind most of it was C.J. Stroud, because the first one on my list was going to be something we talked about last week, which was, if you're going to beat the Colts, what do they want to do? They want to run the football. They want to run the football, and I said Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor's got so many different ways to beat you. If they rush the ball for 200-and-some-odd yards, he's going nuts running the football, and I'm telling you, you, all you get is just the box score updates without looking at the score, and you have 60 yards rushing at the end of the game. How in the hell do you think you won that football game when that is exactly what Indianapolis wanted to do all game? 100%. Like, it, it, Taylor was a monster. I mean, it was obviously his best game of the season. And, and if he doesn't d- get dinged up in that game, like, I, I don't. And plus, obviously, Shane Steichen's an idiot. I, did, did Shane Steichen win Car Wreck of the Day yesterday? He did not. I'm surprised. Uh, did Dan uh, Campbell? No, it was Jameis Winston and oh. the Jaguars. And the, yeah. the Jaguars, I think, won. That makes sense. But, like, Shane Steichen taking Taylor off the field is still, like, one of the most mind-blowing things that Even happened. as a decoy, if he's in the game, it's you no matter where he is on the field, you have to pay attention to the fact he's been gashing you. You know he can get a yard for you. You know he should probably be on the field. Even if you got to change the personnel, he should be on the field. But the fact that he wasn't, and Brian made a great point yesterday, which was that injury timeout, when they got it rolling, I think I was feeling a whole lot uneasy about the, for the first time all game, I was like, oh, this could be a point where it slips out of their hands if they don't kind of find a way to, to, to stop the, the, the momentum that Indy has. And that injury timeout, and the announcers alluded to it, it literally reset the deck right there and went, you know what? Let's go ice cold Colts offense 
on one. A- absolutely. Like that that was a huge play. Did the worst you fe- felt during the game was it when Kaimi missed his extra point? Because that felt like the day in the moment. I felt it. I told Jeremy yesterday. I felt it before he kicked it. I was like, even when he where he was lined up, I'm like, he wouldn't miss this right now, would he? Because <laughs> I got a really bad feeling. And then when he did, I was like, you know what, Lisa? There's a good chance they lose this game by a point. Yep. And then, look, they found a way. And that's what I think is so impressive about this this Texans team is like they just they keep finding a way that even when Will Anderson has to leave the field again during the game, and you've got these guys on the defensive line that like we have never heard of before the start of the season. And they just, they keep finding a way to win these games. We're like, eight, I think it's like, I saw someone that we work with tweet like 87%. I think it's Andrew, like 87% of like the receiving yards they had came from Nico and Schultz. Yeah. Like they got nothing, no, no. production from anyone. That's so another that's, one. Cause going forward, that has to be one because that's yeah. what one of was on my list was like, okay, you found a way to beat a Colts team with literally two guys, but against Cleveland, especially with that defense, you're going to have to have more guys involved. And the double tight end sets are not going to be enough. And, and you have gotten, let's just be honest, call it what it is, you've gotten zero out of Mechie since since he's been back playing, especially when he's been trying to be playing a more prominent role. I question some of his route running and, and, and how tight his routes were early on. But overall, he's not the same John Mechie we saw at Alabama. You're happy as hell that he is a, a healthy human being, first and foremost. But you got to believe, and Jeremy and I talked about this late in the show yesterday, that this offseason is massive for him to try and get back to his football shape because if he can't, this team's just too good right now that they can wait for him and they're going to pass him by. I'm going to be honest. What's your chance you think he's a contributing member of this team next year? One to 100. Oh, I'm going to go 35%. I was just going to go percentages. I'm going to say 35%. That's the high side. I was going to go like 10%. Well, they won't cut him. No, I know, but like I think he's... Like, I, I expect Xavier Hutchinson to step up. I think they're going to draft a wide receiver. But Xavier Hutchinson, could the ball that he could, oh, it, was, it was in triple coverage. I get it. It hit him in both hands. Yeah. Like, that's a situation where, and I said yesterday, if Robert Woods is on that route, Robert Woods makes that play all year long. Yeah, they, they have to find, they need production from other players. Like, what, regardless of if they're going to win on Saturday, regardless of Noah Brown and Robert Woods' health, which, like, they did not practice today, but it's, it's an estimation because right. they didn't actually practice. Um, well, I know I think they actually did practice. So they were that one was there. Robert Woods was there and watching. Noah Brown was not practicing at all. At least the last update I saw from Stutes. But like, it, it's if they're not there, you have to find some contribution from Hutchinson, Mechie, uh, that tight end who I've never heard of who caught a pass. I said that too. Jeremy goes. <laughs> oh, Jeremy goes, this guy? Brian, the one, you the heard one, it. The one, the one that also got flagged for a false start, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I hadn't heard of him either. Jeremy pulled it like, oh, I've heard of him. I'm like, you're the only one. Dude, I, maybe, I mean, everybody maybe, maybe I was that with. that guy played against UH. That's the only reason Jeremy would have heard him. I don't know if that happened or not because he was so confident in that. I was like, well, you're the only one. Because in my chat, my text chats and everything like that, everybody's like, who the hell is that guy? I, I tweeted the Conor McGregor gif, like, who the bleep is that guy? Like, I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, who is this guy catching a pass for the Houston Texans right now? And don't get me wrong, Joe, I like Hutchinson. I think that he has a ton of uh, of skill sets that he brings to the table where he can be good. He's got work to do this offseason, too, because he's got to be able to put his nose in on some of those tough, tough catches, yeah. and he's got to make more catches. Because coming from a guy that's had a team where you hear all these guys that are elite right route runners, and they, they've got unbelievable speed. If you can't catch and you're a wide receiver, you're not going to play in the league for long. Marcus Valdez-Scanling was painful to watch, and now he's yeah. doing it in Kansas City. 
problem, yeah. the problem is for Hutch and Mechie. I mean, I think on this current depth chart, the Texans would give them a, a, you know more chances. But if you have a healthy tank, you have a healthy Nico, they draft a receiver, they sign someone in free agency, now you're talking the best of the fifth guy on the depth chart. I mean, their opportunities are going to start to run out pretty quickly. A uh, quote here from a Houston Chronicle story I, I got to bring up here. A quote, uh, and I want to see if you guys can guess what this is about. It will create a needless and baseless media stir regarding the ownership and direction of the Texans, thereby negatively affecting our employees, business partners, and the team. Any guesses? Any guesses? What are we playing? Who said it on the... Uh, no, it's uh, one of the McNair brothers is saying that Janice McNair uh, is uh, wants a court, a Harris County court to declare her in- incapacitated and appoint her a guardian and take over control of the Houston Texans. Really? Yep. The Houston Chronicle just wrote this story. Does Hannah have a lawyer to fight it back? I. Uh, it's apparently it's it's Carrie McNair. So as in, I don't know. Cal I, and Hannah would no longer have control. I uh, thought there was two sons, and one son wanted to stay out of it. And apparently, one does. Because I know Janice is technically the owner, but Cal and Hannah have been running it. Right. Yes. So this would take control away from Hannah and Cal, theoretically. In theory. Because I'll wow. be honest, I don't know how many McNair kids there are. Yeah, I, I just no know idea. that everybody always mentioned that, that something I had planned to research. Yeah, today. <laughs> it says it says Robert Carey McNair Jr., son of Janice McNair and the late Bob McNair, on November twenty seventh. So it's a guy. So it's yes. It's, yeah, I, yeah. I thought I, I had heard there was uh, another son. Submitted an application of guardianship of an adult person and estate according to court records. Huh. I don't. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because that's big lawyer stuff that I don't know anything about. But uh, was there anything else that stood out from you? I was going to mention. Game? Fairbairn, just simply because we've been talking about do that ever again, how yes. great, yeah, because how great he was as opposed to what we were subjected to middle of the year with Amendola. But don't ever do that crap again. And uh, quickly, I think we should also mention Devin Singletary averaging under three yards per carry. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you're going to win many playoff games if you're really your only qualified running back because Damian Pierce didn't get a single carry. If Singletary is averaging two point six like he did against the Colts, you're not going to win many playoff games. No, it's true. It's it's there's look. It was a good game. It was a good win. But like a lot of the stuff that like they got away with on Sunday, if they play that same way on Saturday, I think it's going to be a, a tough tough road for the Houston Texans to get a playoff victory uh, to start 2024. All right. Uh, yesterday, before the national championship game, all of a sudden we're in the media section, myself and Josh Beard, and, and the. The Twitter starts to go off for everyone around us. And um, Bobby Slowick has been requested to interview with the Carolina Panthers and the Washington Commanders. So Bobby Slowick Watch is officially underway. We talk about that next year on The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, home of old Greg. I know what you're thinking. Here comes old Greg. He's a scaly manfish. I'm old Greg. Back where you belong in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the Killer Bees, who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. It's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George in for Jeremy Branham alongside Joel Blank. If you guys have anything else about you know what you can't ignore in victory, what you wouldn't in defeat, you can text on in 713-780-3776 or call in HRP listener line as well. So 
Aren't you Billy Joe George so you can be an official? I think so. I think we did officially change that. I know I'm on the list already. People Jeremy said, went Billy Bob and I think Billy Joe. I think yeah, I think Dre said Billy yeah, Joe. Yeah, Dre was a good yeah. that was a good call. Billy Joe George. Yeah, Alex already put me on the list. Um for, uh, uh going to the game and not working yesterday. I, to be fair, I did work yesterday mm. in the building. For Jeremy three, tried to say you weren't here for and like, I didn't get the bit that wasn't a great bit and for I said like I 3 saw hours. I just assumed it was your birthday again. Yeah, I had to take off. I got to be with people I love on my birthday. Um, that's why Jeremy Branham's not here, and I'm hosting. Oh, stop it! It's me. <laughs> it's not Jeremy Branham. It's not. You. I just had I had extra vacation days I had to take. We had rollovers days. So I had to, I had to use them at some point, so I figured that was a good day to use it. Um, so yesterday, uh, Washington and Carolina, uh, Carolina requested nine coaches. Uh, Bobby Sloak was one of them. Washington. Also requested to interview Bobby Sloak. Now, the whole timeline about all this stuff is confusing with the playoffs, like when he can and cannot interview, but he's been requested. Now, we officially have five job openings. And we have Vegas, Washington, the Chargers, the Falcons, and then today, the Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel was fired. We're still expecting at least the Patriots job to open. Um, I still think the Bears job is going to open. Oh. Um, and then I know we're going to get deeper into this later too. And then Adam Schefter said something interesting yesterday on the Pat McAfee show about how like early exits in the playoffs might lead to one more shakeup. Um, I was thinking Buffalo. I think, I think he survived that. I could see, but I could see McDermott getting whacked. If if the Steelers find a way to win in Buffalo, the, 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 the place that the bills have been at, you know, challenging the Chiefs for the AFC Championship. A first-round exit to a team that's a seventh seed, Mason I think, puts McDermott right on the hot seat. Yeah, so I think we have I think we have at least one more opening at a minimum with the Patriots and then, and then maybe one more or two more past that. For the most part, I think we're settled. But So Sloak's been requested for two jobs. Now, so like Bobby Sloak watches started. Like people do not want to see him leave. For the most part, I think there is the, the, the minority that is fine if Bobby Sloak leaves. Um... Where are you at with like just your your confidence that he stays? Well, I hope he looked at what Ben Johnson did a year ago, and, and I hope that he takes a page out of that book and realizes: look, it, it's one thing to be sought after, to be on lists, to be a candidate. It's another thing to realize that you have to be so picky, and and you have to realize you're going to get other offers if you're good at what you do anyway. But if you're not careful as to the job that you pick and the personnel and the situation that goes with you, right, it could be your last job. So with that in mind, I would think he also knows, hey, before I jump ship to another situation, I got a franchise quarterback in year one. I got guys around me that believe in me that I've worked with in the past in in D'Amico or a guy like Nick that has gotten to know me and knows he's going to give me what I need to succeed. So I think that if he looks at all that and then looks at what Ben Johnson did last year, Hey, I'm going to interview. I'm going to get my feet wet. I'm going to get experience. I'm going to see what's out there. But at the end of the day, if I feel like any or all of those offers aren't better than a chance to keep building what I have with the Lions and get a better job the following year, then I'm not going to jump just because the bait's there. No, I think that makes sense. Like, uh, if it's if the right job's not there for you, you shouldn't take it. Now, you could also be wrong. I do. I do think like Ben is- Johnson was wrong to not want the job. Clearly. The Houston job, I agree with, but there were plenty of other jobs that, like the Denver job, you don't want that Denver job. No, you're right. I think there are there is at least one job that would be worth his time. I don't think he's going to get one of these jobs. I think these other teams are probably trying to pick his brain, see what the Texans did right, 
so they can apply it for their own team going forward. And for Ben, for for Bobby Slovak, it's good experience for when this is a real thing for him in future seasons. But if Washington were to offer him the job, they've got a ton of salary cap and the number two overall pick, where he could get you know Drake May or Caleb Williams, whoever doesn't go number one. I think if that job gets offered to you, that would be worth considering. But I wouldn't take the, I wouldn't take the Vegas job. Uh, I wouldn't want to go to New England if that opens up. Yeah, but you're They're, missing the one that I thought you'd say. Which one? The Chargers. Yeah, but he's see, already got Herbert. I see. I he's got he, receivers. He's got no, Herbert's got no weapons, though. I mean, Keenan Allen's thirty-two. Mike, Mike Williams. Williams is always hurt. Uh, Austin Eckler's uh, past his prime. Quentin Johnson. Mitch busted. Johnson can't catch, but I mean, they got him high with the draft pick. But see, like honestly, I I think so. This is where I don't think Bobby Slowick's going to leave, and part of it is because I don't think he will be in consideration for the Chargers job. I think they're going to aim too high for him. Like I don't think see, Bobby. I think that's true. Like the, so, you have five job opens. Five openings right now. I believe the Raiders' job is done. You think Pierce gets it? I think Pierce gets it. They've played really good football since he took over. They've already made this mistake once. They made the playoffs with Rich Passaccia um, after they fired John Gruden. And then now the Raiders have played really good. Their defense has been very good under Antonio Pierce. I think they're going to stick with him unless they get hardball. I was going to say. Think about in most situation, in most other situations, in any other market with st- stability and ownership that really stays out of it. I think you're absolutely right, and I think that when Crosby and and uh, Adams come out and say your two best players on offense and de- defense say you want to keep the guy that's gotten this th- thing going in the right direction in his job, most owners listen. Most GMs would listen. You're talking about Al Davis's son. You're talking about a Davis that, aside from having no fashion sense or clue what a hairstyle is. He wants to be sexy. He wants to have that boom. He's in Vegas. So, to me, the two biggest candidates for him, if he's not going to stick with Pierce, are Belichick and Harbaugh. So because my, he wants to make a splash. My only pushback to that is that just a couple years ago, out like the Davis family had to trade Khalil Mack to the Bears because they did not have enough money to put into equity to pay Khalil Mack's contract. And now they have two coaches that they owe like $20 million for a year for the next five years to Josh McDaniels and to John Gruden. I just wonder, are they going to make another one of those major, big splash, long-term investments when the last two have lasted like 20 games combined? But time out, Joe. When that, you're right. But when that came up, you were still playing, in not knowing where you were going to be. You were, yeah, in, Oakland, were in Oakland, and you were yeah. everything was in flux. That's true. Now you got this massive new toy of a stadium in a money spending free for all like Vegas, which is again why you need the big sexy name. I think there's two coach. Look, I think the majority of the coaching uh, opportunities that are out there, they're going to make the rational football move for the best young up and coming coaches or coaches that they think in a Vrabel's case can actually take them to the next level. I think there's two jobs. One because it's it's the the, the style of the owner, the Raiders that you need sexy and a big boom and splash guy because he did it with Gruden. He'll do it again, and that's why I said either Harbaugh or with with Belichick. The same thing for other reasons is why the Chargers need that too. If not for an ownership that's so hyper cheap that they were constantly trying to find that young guy on the cheap that could be good, kind of like a quarterback before his first big contract. I think that the Chargers in L.A. fighting the Rams, trying to get – Everything, like trying to get a fan base to show up more for their games than USC or the soccer team or other things. You have to be relevant in your own city. And in order to do that, you have to finally get the Spanos family to open up the checkbook and go, look, you moved from San Diego. You lost and alienated that fan base. You obviously haven't built one in L.A. And you, it's like the Yankees and the Mets. You have to be better than the other team 
if you're going to get respectability and credibility. And a way to do that is if I get Bill Belichick or if I get a, a guy that's proven to win in the NFL like Harbaugh, and I can take the talent I already have and do something with it. Yeah, I think I think Harbaugh is likely to be the Chargers coach. So like, and that's and that's part of the reason why I don't think Slowick is going to go anywhere because I think Pierce stays with the Raiders because they don't get Harbaugh. I think that's a factor into this. Harbaugh is a better candidate than Slowick. Uh, Mike Rabel is a better candidate than Slowick. Yep. Ben Johnson is a better candidate. Bill Belichick is better. Now that assumes the Patriots' job is open, um, and that could be Vrabel, that could be Gerard Mayo, which like we've always known. The one that I think is the most interesting, though, honestly, because this this franchise just pretends to be Houston, is Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. But not just because like they take oh, they hire Tim Kelly and they bring in DeAndre Hopkins and they bring in Andre Johnson and they wear the Oilers jerseys. But their general manager, Ron Carthon, was with these San Francisco 49ers yep. from 2017 to 2022. Bobby Slowick was with these San Francisco 49ers from 2017 to 2022. So like to me, that's the one you're right. that like I'm most intrigued by. Now, but if you're Bobby Sloak, why in the hell would you take that? That's job? a great question. Because now they're complete, now, like, you guys said like you have to be careful because it could be your last job if you take the wrong one. What about the Tennessee, the state of the Tennessee franchise makes you think they could compete in the next two to three years? I mean, See, I'm that's not the taking thing. it. But but also with that, when you're looking at because Ron Carthon is the exact reason why I thought Sloak's going to be considered. But you're stuck with Will Levis because look, they they're enamored with him. So regardless of whether you like it or not, they're going to try and tell you make the most out of Will Levis. He doesn't exactly fit the same kind of mold as a C.J. Stroud. He wants to get out and run. He wants to be a linebacker with a cannon. And and that's dangerous for an offensive coordinator that's trying to run the kind of offense that he's running. And he doesn't have the weapons to do even close with speed and the other things the way that, that, that Houston does it. So if you look at it, you say, yeah, they want him, but should he want them? Because that's the one that I said, if, if you're only getting that, you stay away from because look, it looks great on the on the the, the media guide and everywhere mm-hmm. else where it says head coach and the money's going to be great and you better get a lot of years. But you may not win, and you might be a guy that's under scrutiny one or two years in, and they're saying, "Why haven't you done this?" And then you're going to go to the same guy that you've been working with in San Francisco, going, "Well, if you give me this job, you better give me the players to run that offense the same way, or we're both going to fail." So if you're Bobby Slug, would you take the job? We answer that question next year. On the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Iocane powder. It is odorless, tasteless, dissolves instantly in liquid, and is among the more deadly poisons known to man. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. It's Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George and Joel Blank here with you till 6 o'clock. We'll do cash or trash it in about an hour from now. Uh, 3780 asks this question, Joel. Honestly, why would the Texans give the Titans permission to interview Bobby Slowick? Okay. I understand why you would ask that question, but I think you kind of have to if you're an I organization. Think, I think here's the deal, and you've heard this throughout business, and you're going to hear it throughout sports too, which is if you're hiring someone, you're hiring someone, grooming them to be the next guy to take either your job or the job in front of them. Mm-hmm. And also, if you want them to be the best employee they can be for you, the first thing that stops doing that is when you start holding them back. And so if you say, hey, we love you, you emphasize it right from the start. We love you here. We think you are fantastic. You're going to be a big part of what we're doing. 
but we're not going to hold you back. We want you to get experience. Go out there and talk to them. See what they think. Go out and get your feet wet and, and get some interview experience and let us know how it goes. Then I think that he looks at that and goes, man, they did a solid. They let me know where I stand here, but they're not going to hold me back and say, hey, for the sake of your future, regardless of where it may be, we want you to get the experience. And I think that you keep a very kumbaya situation going with a guy that's been big in the development of your quarterback. Yeah, I just to me, it's it's one of those things where you, you just it's just the right. It's just how sports work. Well, not like, only is it the right thing to do, and not only do you, you, you hopefully, if Bobby Slowick stays, you get the best out of him because he's not disenfranchised by the whole thing. But think about what sort of message you'd be sending to the next offensive coordinator you want to hire after Bobby Slowick leaves. I mean, what sort of top up and coming candidate is going to want to take the job if he knows you're going to try to hold him back when he goes to try to interview for a head coaching yeah, job? Yeah, no, exactly. Like if. if Bobby Sloak leaves, you're going to promote Gerard Johnson, but if Gerard Johnson just saw that you didn't let Bobby Sloak interview for certain jobs, like Gerard Johnson might be more inclined to take an OC job elsewhere. Also, the permission thing, uh, the te- it's not like the Texans can stop him from taking a job. Like it, it, The only time a team can get involved is if it is a lateral, lateral move. move. That's right. So now they could stop, in theory, the interview from happening in this cycle uh, and like make him wait until after the playoffs or after the Texans get eliminated or win the Super Bowl. Like... It, that in theory could happen, but it's just—it's not the way it works. Like, it, it's just not the way the NFL works. Honestly, it's, it, more of life should work like that. Uh, but but I'll say this too, in terms of like when we were talking about Ben Johnson, when talking about opportunities, I, I think that the other thing that you see, especially now when organizations aren't just throwing mad cash at everyone, and some of the organizations like the Chargers of the past, and even look at when the Bengals hired uh, Zach when they did, and, and some of the things that they've done, they look for the cheap move to try and kind of see if it might they might hit the home run. And then if it doesn't work, you can cut bait a lot quicker to where you realize, hey, even if you're the Texans, let me say this. If I'm the Texans and I truly think that Bobby played the you know the 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 role that he did in developing CJ in the offense in the first year, I can make him an associate head coach. Now, one for the interview process, he can't leave for anything other than either a head, you know, obviously a head coaching job, but two, more importantly, you give him more money. You show him even more so than just letting him interview that you're behind him. And you say, hey, look, we want you to keep riding this train with D'Amico as long as you can. If there's an opportunity we can't hold you back from and you don't want to miss on, we get it. But until that time happens, we need you and we want you because it's so important to the development of your offense and your quarterback. Yeah, 713-780-3776. Your reaction to this, are you nervous Bobby Sloak's going to leave? Where do you think, would you take the job if you were Bobby Sloak? Let's go out to uh, Spring, talk to Tony. Tony, what's going on? Hey, guys, good afternoon. Thanks for uh, taking my call. You know, I I just totally would put myself in the shoes of him to think about this. And living here now, 16 years, I'm a, a transplant from New York, but... Come on, Tony, uh, I never could have figured it out. <laughs> I have Astro seasons, and I watched that whole thing happen. So this this is my thought. First of all, I just started over, okay? I'm, I'm a guy that I love what I do, okay? And, and that's why I go to work, because I love working, and I love what I do at work. So, and he does, too. And they love him at work, so... The, the atmosphere is excellent. The, the culture and the locker room, everything is excellent. Okay, he's got control. I just started over. Now I have an opportunity with a, a franchise quarterback, a coach, a head coach that loves me and lets me do what I need to do and gets me what I need to get and owners that gets me what I need to get. I live in Texas 10 months of summer. 
I pay one tax. I have an opportunity to do something similar and maybe have it happen like the Astros and win a Super Bowl in Houston, which football is a bigger sport than baseball. So it would even be crazier here. And if they did it and I left, I would be so bent also. So it would have to be really, you know, an amazing a miracle offer, but I'm not going anywhere. Why would I? It's I'm loved here. I'm loved as much as D'Amico. Appreciate the fans the call, love me. No, I appreciate the call. Look, and we got to keep it moving. I, I think that the main thing to answer your question, though, of why, because you bring up a lot of good points, and look, from an NBA and NFL perspective, they know there's no state tax here. They know how important that is, with the how, how inexpensive real estate is, too. And that's why a ton of guys that play at other places live here in the offseason. But the answer on the flip side is, if they knock me off my feet with years and money, I'm gone. Yeah, and it's just, we just don't know Bobby like that. You know, like Bobby Sloak started his career in Washington as a defensive assistant. Like maybe he, even though it's a new ownership group, like he loved his time in D.C. He was born in New Jersey, like... Like and then his you know his dad coached for the Bears his dad coached for the oh my Packers God, he's like tainted oh yeah coached for the Packers and, and the Browns and the okay. Broncos like and he was all those years with Ron Carthon in San Francisco so like you just you never know like what he wants and then there is this question like of do you believe in Caleb Williams and Drake May like that's not obviously like that's not his primary focus during the season it's been the Texans but like if there, if for some reason he like and and there's lots of reason to love Caleb Williams. If you believe the Washington Commanders are going to draft Caleb Williams and they offer you the job and you love him, love him, and think he is this all, all-time prospect quarterback, then, yeah, I could see why you take the job. Like, it just depends on what he really values and the team is going to. Absolutely. There's so many intangible variables, right? Yeah. Because maybe you don't like the city you'd be living in. Maybe you don't like who you'd be working with if you're working for a general manager. Like you said, Joe, on the flip side, for the guys that he has relationships with, maybe there's some way through some connection of his past jobs where there's a general manager out there that he doesn't see eye to eye with or knows is more old school when he wants to go more newfangled, you know, present-day NFL. So those factors matter. Where does my family want to live? You know, what am I dealing with from the standpoint of cap space and roster? 100%. And and all those things matter. But the thing is, a lot of these candidates don't sit there and realize, I'm the one in the driver's seat. I'm the one being sought after. If I'm being sought after, I should be able to dictate or at least conversate and say, these are the things that are important to me. If they truly want me, they're going to start trying to figure out how many of those boxes they can check. If they don't, they're going to show me right away. Yeah, that's fine. But if you're here, this is how we believe in doing business. And then you realize, hey, maybe it's not the right situation for me. Yeah, no. If I was Bobby Slug, I would wait one more year because I think you have to be honest with yourself about who you are as a coach. And like, you've only been coaching for 13 years. You're going to year 13. Like, you are not as experienced. NFL coach and there are ones he's got yes, 13 have, in the NFL yeah he's been he was with Washington's first year in that's 2000 a good run it's almost David Kelly <laughs> I mean it's funny because um, he's, he's, he's definitely more qualified than David that Culley made me but, but that's what I'm saying because remember now and, and I use Stephen Silas and David Cully as an example at a certain point if you've been an, an assistant your whole life now you're going to be desperate now you're going to jump and take less money and, and be able to roll over and play and say whatever you need me to, to accept I'm going to accept yeah, he's four years older than me he's got but when of you're time. younger and you know that they're coming to you as opposed to like a cully or a Silas then you say guess what I don't have to jump just and, and when you say jump say how high 
I have to tell you, hey, look, if you want me, these are the things we got we to gotta work into my deal. How old are you, Brian? I'm 40. So Bobby Sloak's four years younger than you. Yeah, thanks. That's Can I insane. tell you what's mind-boggling I mean, to me? That's just insane. So I young. saw the graphic the other day when they put the five coaches. I think that, that graphic sucks. That were under Shanahan. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it, was Sean, it was Sean McVay. So and, you got McVay, and La- La- Sala, and Green Bay. McDaniel, LaFleur, mm-hmm. and I'm missing one more. There's, there's five. Sloak. Shanahan. Do you remember Sloak, Shanahan? And Sloak was OC. And maybe they put in, maybe it was OCs and head coaches. No, it was just, oh, yeah, OCs and head Okay, okay so, yeah, Kyle so Shanahan, those, Mike those McDaniels. Those five guys alone. And I go, wait a minute, Washington. And Washington won like Shanahan. four or five games. So I, so I texted my boy Keenan McCardell. I go, weren't you on that Washington staff? He's like, yeah, why are you asking me that? I was like, well, because all those guys have jobs. What the hell happened to you? And he's like, I'm waiting my turn, bro. It's going to come. I go, I believe in you. It's just that that shows you, like, when you see that um, uh, the the D coordinator in Jacksonville's brother is the head coach at Cincinnati, and you start talking nepotism, going, man, it it doesn't matter how young and inexperienced you are. If you got bloodlines, you're getting a gig, and it could be a lifetime. I mean, if you included players, you can make that same exact graphic about the Texans. They all were here besides Sean McVay. Yeah, Shanahan was obviously a oh, play, a play on this staff. Uh, they were like now yeah. Slowick wasn't at, at that time, but like like a majority Sala, of those coaches like Sala yeah, was here, Sala, and Lafleur was mm-hmm. here, yeah. and Shan- yes. Kyle was here. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for a little while, and then D'Amico was a player on yeah. those teams. Like you can make the same exact. It's I, sometimes I think it's funny that like they never they never do that for the Texans. Like it's only Washington. We had because of Sean McVay. Is yeah, like the leader of Sean that. McVay to the list doesn't make it seem a lot sexier. Yeah, we had head-to-head organization versus organization Olympics, Texans and Rockets. You we, guys probably got smoked. We played against all those guys in basketball and football because they because the Texans yeah. were trying to put ringers out there and stuff. And first of all, we did not. We won in basketball. And, and second of all, we held our own in football until our HR department came in and said, "Oh, by the way, everyone has to play." Yeah. And we were like one score down, and they had guys spatted up with gloves and tape and cleats and everything like that. Salah, I'm almost positive, was out there, but all those other guys were out there. And then our HR department came in. I had Clyde Drexler at wide receiver. I was throwing Hail Marys, and he was picking them, picking them off in the end zone for touchdowns. I'm like, we got a chance. And our HR director came in and said, okay, now the accounting department's coming in, and they're going to play offense. And we're like, yeah, we're going home. We're done. Yeah, that's no fun. You can't do that. I'm kind of disappointed we don't have like a, a company softball team. I agree with that. We should have one. I'd be down with that. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll start work. We have no night shows to do anymore, so we can play softball at night. It was a problem before. <laughs> Obviously, like, Joel's pitching. I'm not pitching. I'll play out, outfield. Yeah? yeah? Pitching's an easy. Well, uh, that's I, well, true. It's softball. With the guys yeah, we're dealing true. with, I don't know. I bet you Granado pitches. You think Granado plays? Yeah, I do. I think John's athletic enough to play. I think John's the coach on the bench with the beer. <laughs> okay, I think he'd do both. Or he's the first softball. base coach. Yeah, that's true. Softball down here, you can do both. That's true. All right. Well, obviously, last night was the national championship game. We've been talking about the coaching search. Was it Jim Harbaugh's last game in college football? What did you think of the game? We we'll talk about it next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, we're going to talk about the big game that was last night. There's plenty more big games on the horizon. You know, the playoffs are starting in the NFL. You know, the big games in February. You know, you got games almost every night to watch on television. But sometimes you like to have the friends come over, the family come over, the viewing parties to watch the bigger games. And you want to make sure that the food is as good as the game on the TV. That's why you get days. Daisy Dips, because Daisy Dips do all the work for you. When I was little growing up, my mom used to get the French French onion soup mix and the sour cream and the spices and work 
for a long period of time to get that French onion dip just right. Now you don't have to do that because it's available at your local grocery store. Daisy does it all for you. French onion and ranch dips, from the vegetable dip to the wings to all the different kinds of chips you're going to serve, everything tastes better with those dips from Daisy, and they're available at your grocery store, so you save time and a whole lot of effort when you're trying to entertain your guests. Go today to your local grocery store and check them out. Don't take my word for it. Grab one. See if you like it before you serve it to your friends. You're going to love everything about it. If you're ranch or French onion, they got you covered. Check them out at your local grocer grocer today. Go get some Daisy dips before the games this weekend. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the best sports radio station in Houston. Well, on FM, that is. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. All right, so last night at NRG, Michigan won the national championship game. It was a fine game. It wasn't the most exciting game. It was weird because I felt like both teams, Joel, like forgot who they were. Like Michigan kept trying to throw the ball. And J.J. McCarthy stinks. The fact that people keep still even today keep saying. Did you see Tannenbaum today? He's a top 10 prospect. Like, I'm like, what sport are you watching? Yeah. Or drugs like, are Tannenbaum you Tannenbaum comes out like hard and fast today with the whole, he's climbing the draft boards. This is a guy you build around. He oh. is this, he's that. I'm like, he's consistently gotten better. And all. I'm going, oh my God. Thank God you're not the GM of any team that I root for. Honestly, he's going to go in the first round. Oh, come on. I. Because everyone just keeps like who's, who's the team most likely to make that mistake? I think he, second round. If Harbaugh's coach, a, he'll look at him. Yeah. I think he is a late round stash for a team that needs some help. Yeah, see, first round was I was gonna say you're not gonna stand on no that one. late first round stash. I mean, oh, I think I he's a Minnesota Viking. Well, yeah, you'd want the if you're gonna take him early second, you might as well take him late first because you get the fifth year option. I think he's a Minnesota Viking. I can see that. I can see that as a potential matchup. I think Penix is a better Viking. Yeah, no, I agree. Because, like, Todd McShay keeps saying that he is going to be a better pro than he is a college player. I'm like, but McCarthy what, or Penix? What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> but Which like, one? McCarthy. I don't believe that. And I, I don't either, but everyone that's, like, in the business of draft analysts so far keeps saying he's a first-round pick. You know who he reminds I want, I need me Lance of? To do the he work. reminds me of Zach Wilson without the cannon. See, I was going to say it reminds me of Gardner Minshew. He can run a little bit, wildly inaccurate. I think un- grossly unproven in terms of as a passer, right, in a league that's pass happy. And he doesn't have the cannon that Zach Wilson has that I think you throw him into the NFL, he's going to be different on the next level because he's going to be worse. Because now you've got all these different schemes and defenses and blitzes and exotic uh, packages that are going to come at you and you haven't even come close. CJ got the knock because his receivers were too wide open. He went ten for eighteen with one hundred and forty yards yeah, against a Pac twelve defense. Like I, that's why I don't see him he, as a first round pick. Every time he threw the ball, I'm like, why? Why are they doing this? Like, why? Did they Especially stop running when your it? second running back runs for forty yards on his first two each of his first two carries. Yeah. He had eighty plus yards. Yeah, he had two carries, eighty seven yards, and two touchdowns. Ridiculous. Like it, it, they just abandoned. It. But then Washington, part of it was time. He didn't have they couldn't. Time. They couldn't go deep. Like they, they completely he lost. He didn't have time, but he also missed a few wide open. Oh, there was a throw down the sideline to Odunze. Odunze on the fourth missed. down play. 
if he doesn't spin him like a top with the, because of the miscommunication, that's a touchdown. And there was another play. It was second half, and there was pressure in Penix's face, but he had, he had a tight end right up the middle of the field between the oh, two safeties. It. That he that he went to the shallow route. He route went to the shallow he, route, yeah, right? Yep, if I he if he hit the tight end in stride, it was an easy touchdown. But, yeah. But let, let's be honest. The offensive line was under siege all night, and when they weren't, the penalties. You talked about it with a Texans perspective in a big game. 73 should have almost been sat down because the right tackle could not stop getting yellow. He had so much laundry on the field, and the one big play to Odunzi was called back because he decided to do like a, a quick grab hold. Yeah. Yeah, with his left hand yeah. and drag him down. Yeah. Do you guys think that was Harbaugh's for sure last game? I do. 100%. I The only thing that I, I'm skeptical about is just that there's been so many openings. And it does feel like he kind of forces himself into the conversation in the past, right? In the past, but now that he's won this national That's championship it. game, like I, I don't know how you look at with if you're the Chargers, Commanders, Falcons, whoever, and not say that Harbaugh is not the best candidate. Like I know I'm on the record that like I don't want him to be the next head coach of the Bears if they were to open up because I think he has a short lifespan. I, I don't think that like players in the NFL by year five are going to want to deal with him. His shtick, his gimmick gets old. I hear you, okay? But let's think about the reasons why, right? One, I've said all along that I think there's too many skeletons still in the closet that haven't come out yet. So I think that he's going to bail while the going is good and he can he can just profusely claim his innocence and then get the hell out of Dodge. And then even if there is punishment, Michigan gets a lesser, uh, lesser punishment because he's gone and he's the reason why. But also in the past, I completely agree with you that he is... He has force-fed his name and in interviews. In sometimes, from what I've heard, paid his own way to go talk to teams and then say he interviewed. Oh, that was the Vikings. He thought he was flying there for a job. He thought he was there to sign a contract. Yeah, and he was there for an interview. Right. So I think in the past it was him making sure his name was in the mix and it was prevalent. Now he doesn't have to. He won a college national championship. His name is never going to be more in bright lights and get more attention. And on top of that, when people start looking at it, saying. He was 3-0 against Ohio State. He did exactly what he was supposed to do on the college level. And, oh, by the way, he made three straight NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl by taking the quarterback that was already there in Al Smith and benching him after he got hurt, mm -hmm. taking a guy he wanted in Kaepernick, and making a run to prove he can win in the NFL. You're right, Joe, that I think in five years his stick wears out. But that five-year window when you're a rebuilding-type team yeah. needs a guy like that. And, and that's not even his entire resume. He had the 12-1 season at Stanford. I believe he went like 22-2 right. and two over his last two seasons at San Diego State. I mean, yeah. he's won at a ridiculous rate. I think he's lost three rate. games in his, in his three years at Michigan. That sounds three. right. Well, in his last three years. In his last three years at Michigan, Yeah, because remember, he, had assigned, he was like 2-5 and five at one point, I think, in the pandemic right. season. No, his last three yeah. years, he's lost three total games. Yeah, and look, I, and that's where I, I do think he's gone. Uh, uh, BMAC just forwarded us this uh, from uh, from Jimmy Shapiro. Uh, odds for the next head coaches in the NFL. So he has, they have Jim Harbaugh as a minus-150 favorite to be the next Chargers head coach. Ben Johnson as a 3-1 to one favorite to be the next commies coach. Bill Belichick, three to one favorite to be the next Atlanta Falcons head coach. Oh, I don't see that, that one shocks. Yeah, me. I don't see that. I don't, I don't that see one that. shocks that, me too. That's, that's of, that came out of nowhere. Uh, Kellen Moore, two to one for the Panthers. Really? Uh, the Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, three to one, be the next Titans head coach. Wait, then, the Raiders? Ravens. Oh, Ray Bins. Okay. Uh, and then Gerard Mayo, if Bill Belichick is not the Patriots head coach, is the betting favorite um, with Rabel 
right there. It's it's plus one twenty five, plus one fifty. That come out two. before Vrabel got fired? I no, think, that would it came out today. Yeah, because I think I think Vrabel is now the favorite in New England, and Mayo would probably be his DC or something like that. I mean, if I'm drawing Mayo, ha, uh, no, thank you. He I'm just saying. I know, who else like, is hiring him? No, but like they made him the assistant head coach. The associate well, but head he could coach. be the associate head coach in charge of defense. No, I know, but they did that because they promised him the job. So, like, now if they bring in Vrabel, which obviously, like, when they did that, they didn't think Vrabel was going to be available. Available, Right. But, like, it's... I, I don't would not see Belichick going to Mayo. Atlanta. No. Um, but just very quickly, last thing on the game. So, obviously, that was also the last Final Four we're going to see ever. Now right, we're into the 12-team right, right. playoff. Uh, we still have not have an official vote. It sounds like it's going to be the five power conference or five conferences get automatic bids, um, and then plus seven, remain uh, whatever the qualifiers are. Who, who would be the fifth conference? A non-power, fi- a non-power four. Hmm. So, like, this year it would be Liberty. So, what, 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 what oh, just right, rated yeah. as whoever the best? Whoever, the highest, whoever is the highest rated non-ACC, Big 12, Big 10, SEC team will be an automatic qualifier, not independent. So, what would, be, would have been Liberty this year? This year, year would have yep. been Liberty would have been the 12 seed. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I hate it. It's stupid. Can I ask you this, just in wrapping yeah. up the whole college thing? Do we all believe that the best game we will never see that we would have liked to have seen is Georgia versus Michigan? Yep. I think I think after watching all the play, as good as Alabama played, I don't know that Alabama showed that offensively they still had weaknesses. Georgia got punished because of when they lost, but the best game, the two best teams in the country and I'm not taking anything away from Michigan because they beat everybody that they were supposed to beat, and they beat all top 10 ranked teams. But when you look at it, the two best teams all year were the two teams that we won't see play, and that's Michigan and Georgia. Yeah, I know. I, I tend to agree. Like I, That's what, part of the reason why I'm excited for the 12-team playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, does Texas win the national championship next year, BMAC? No, no, they don't. They, really? I, I think they make the 12-team playoff, but I don't think they win the national championship. Does A&M make the 12-team no. next year? No. They got A&M in the top 15. Oh, projection yeah. for... That's crazy. It's Colorado. And they got him. They got him. One of the, I think, one of the top ten teams to win it all next year. That's just because nah, that's that's brand money. recognition. Uh, does do does Colorado make the top twelve next year? I don't think. I so. mean, sure. Just, it's, Sanders is gone, right? No, he's coming back. No, Shadur. He's coming back. He's coming back. I, yeah. I, I saw his name. Dad, on, uh, you dad, 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 are you dad, walking dad, for seven million in nil and yeah. dad? That's dad, true. Daddy that's says true. he's got to play at Colorado one more year. No, I, I don't. No, I don't, they don't make the playoff. I'm gonna go guess. Colorado. Really? Why? Why? I, other than other than the sound bite and the hot take, why? Who's the best team in the Big Twelve next year? Kansas State. Uh, Utah. I would say Oklahoma State. Utah's on top pretty of my good. Head. good. Yeah, like I, Oklahoma State's a good one, but like I, the Big Twelve is not a good conference next year. Like I, it's not like filled with talent. But, but look, Utah's been a sleeper in the in the Pac-10 for how many, years. I know they're always good. They're extremely well coached. And you're right, BMAC. Oklahoma State has to be in that conversation. But yeah, there's not a whole lot. It's there. Not, how, how many it's not a good conference? I anymore. mean, Colorado lost some games to bad teams, though. I know. But so like, it's not like they only lost to the you know the top fifteen teams on their schedule. I mean, the best team probably is Arizona. Actually, sorry, Arizona's pretty good. They mayed. They got hot early and they got all the attention, and then they just fizzled. Yeah, rightfully so. Like, I mean, they'd be an overrated TCU team. All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh, coming up next. Um, what are we doing? I lost my rundown. I lost my rundown. Okay, here we go. Best story for Super Wild Card Weekend. That's next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on YouTube. Dracula Flow. I took two limitless pills to limit myself. 